Amen. All right. Well, you're there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. I want you to just flip over to chapter number 7 of the same book, 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. And if you remember last week, we began a brand new series entitled Redeeming the Time. And we're going to be continuing that series this morning. If I could get one of the ushers, you could help me out with a bottle of water or a cup of water or something. I'd appreciate that. We're going to continue our, our series here on Redeeming the Time. And I just want to remind you, last week, if, if you remember, we uh, were in Psalm 90. We looked at that psalm that uh, Moses wrote. We're told Moses wrote it. And we focused in on verse 12 where he says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And we learned this principle from Psalm 90, which is this. When we live with the realization that we're running out of time. Remember we talked about that last week. We are running out of time. And one day you will have ran out of time. And when we live with the realization that we are running out of time, we will make better decisions with our time. And we kind of laid that foundation in the introduction of this series, talking about this idea that we need to make the best of our time. We need to make sure, because time is fleeting, because we can waste time and we can uh, spend it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, spend it or invest it in a way uh, that can be used for, for God's glory. Now, one of the major problems when it comes to time management, and I don't know about you, but uh, this, this idea of managing our time, or I've said before, it, it, it might be better, we, we say time management, but it might be better to say managing ourselves within the time that we've been given. This is something that I'm really passionate about. I, uh, I, as a pastor, I, I work in a way where I... In a practical sense, I, I pretty much um, am my, my own boss. Obviously, God is my boss, and the Holy Ghost is my boss, and the Word of God is my boss. But I, I don't have anybody who's, uh, you know, telling me what to do every day. I mean, every day I have to get up and work and, and be ready. And in some ways, uh, my schedule may look a lot like yours. For the, We have several, I think we have eight, eight or ten different business owners in our church that, you know, you don't have someone that's expecting you at a certain place at a certain time. So this idea of time management is something that I'm very passionate about. I, I read books on time management, and I, uh, I, I, I listen to uh, training and, and things of that nature, and I'm, I'm really interested in it, and I'm interested in it uh, for this reason. One of the major problems that we have when it comes to time management, or one of the major issues that we have when it comes to time management, is that we often feel like we don't have enough time to accomplish everything that we want to get done. Have you ever felt that way? Uh, have you ever felt like you've got more things that need to get done than the time you have to do it? Uh, and, and oftentimes that can be pretty overwhelming where we, uh, you know, sometimes I, I wish that I, you know, I, I'll, I'll think to myself, I, I wish there was more hours in this day because I've got more things that need to be, be done. And if you think about it, we're, we're very busy people. Even as, as Christians, you know, as fundamental Baptists, we live busy lives. I mean, if you, if you sit down and think about it, I, I, I wrote down and just wrote some things here uh, that we do in our family, you know, that keep us busy. I mean, when you consider going to church on Sunday morning and you consider going to church on Sunday evening and when you consider going to church on Wednesday evening, when you consider the time that is required for your daily Bible reading, especially during nine chapters a day, you may be reading a little more than you're normally accustomed to when it comes to your Bible memorization time and your daily prayer time, when it comes to going to work, when it comes to homeschooling, then of course you want to go soul winning, you want to spend time with your spouse, you want to spend time with your children, you want to have a family Bible time, you want to listen to preaching online of preachers that you like from other churches, you may want to read other books that interest you, you want to exercise, you want to keep up with the 
news. You need to take the children to piano lessons, and you need to take the children to violin lessons. You need to take the children to uh, all these different things. You need to take them to PE class, and you got to run them to Spanish class. You got to take them to the field trips, and you got to. Uh, and then, of course, you may have personal hobbies that you like to do and things you like to do to relax. You have to keep up with the cleaning in the house, right? You have to keep up with the laundry work. You've got to keep up with the work, uh, the projects at home because your home's always falling apart. You've got to keep up with the maintenance on the vehicles. You've got to make time for the holidays and for the vacations. And when you put that all together, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And sometimes you may look at your time and you think to yourself, I just don't have the time that I need to accomplish everything that I want. I mean, raise your hand if you've ever felt that way. If you ever felt like I've got more things to do than I've got time to do it. Okay, raise your hand if you just think, if you just feel like I've got more time than I know what to do with this. I'm, I'm just sitting at home, bored all day long. Raise your hand. You know, only the teenagers, right? All the teenagers raise their hand, right? Only the children, right? Uh, I mean, if you've got responsibilities, if you've got things that you need to accomplish, if you've got, you know, people that are counting on you, you will probably have, feel at times, you will feel at times like you've got more to do, then you have the time to, to do it. It's a tension. It's a conflict that we have when it comes to time management. And here's the question. How are you going to have time for it all? How are you going to accomplish it all? And this morning, I want to give you three statements. And I'd like you to write these down because they're not easy to remember. But I want to give you three statements for helping you to get done what needs to get done. How to get it all done with the time that you have. I want to give you these three statements. Now, if you have a child on your lap, you may not be able to take these notes. But if you don't, uh, you've got a, a sheet there, the course of the week on the back. You're able to put sermon notes. And I'd like you to write a couple of statements down. I want to help you this morning. It's going to be a very practical type sermon. Uh, last week, we dealt with the philosophy of time management and this idea that we must redeem the time that we have because we're running out of it. But I want to give you some things. But before I can, I can get to the practical stuff, we kind of have to lay a little bit of a foundation. You're there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. I'd like you to look down at verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 23, the Bible says this. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. I want to begin with this idea. And point number one this morning, and this is not the statement that I need you to write down, but this is the first point that I want to make. You and I need to determine the ownership of our lives. We need to determine who owns us. Who owns you? See, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 23, that ye are bought with a price. That price was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are saved this morning, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not one of these ideas that I gave myself to Christ. No, when he saved you, he purchased you. All right? It's not a volunteer thing where you volunteer yourself, but I'm going to give my life. No, no. If he saved you, if you called upon him, if you received him, if you believed on him, if he saved you from your sins, the way that that deal works is that he paid for you. He owns you. You are bought with a price. Now, notice, notice the idea. Look at verse 23. Ye are bought with a price. The idea, you see that semicolon there? These thoughts are connected. The idea is, because you are bought with a prize, be not ye the servants of men. He said, Christ owns you, so don't serve another man. And by the way, let me say this. Under that category of be not ye servants of men, that includes you. Because you're a man. Or you're a woman. You're a person. You're a human. You are part of what we consider mankind. So here's what the Bible is telling us. God owns you. God owns me. Jesus purchased us. Therefore, we must serve him, not 
man, whether that man is me or whether that man is anybody else that we'd like to serve. Now, we, we started in 1 Corinthians 6. Go back to chapter 6. Look at verse 19. That's the text we read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 19. Notice what he says. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? Notice what he says. And ye are not your own. And ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Notice what he says. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Notice what he says. In your body and in your spirit. Don't miss this. You ought to underline this phrase in your Bible. Which are God. See, your spirit belongs to God. Your body belongs to God. Everything about you belongs to God. And by the way, let me say this. This is not just applying to time management. It's applying to every area of your life. Everything about your life belongs to God. He owns it. He purchased it. And, and, and I'm not preaching about this specifically this morning, but let me go ahead and say this. If you would just settle this in your mind, if you would settle this in your heart, that I belong to God. God purchased me. I am his possession. He owns me. He is my master. If you would settle that in your life, it would solve all sorts of problems in the Christian life. I mean, sometimes people come to a church like Verity Baptist Church, and they'll hear me, pre they'll hear me preach sermons like the one I'm preaching this morning about time management, or they might hear us preach sermons about how you ought to be faithful to the house of God, and you ought to make the house of God a priority, or they might hear us preach sermons about tithing and the fact that God expects you to return back to him 10% of the income that he blessed you with. Or we might hear sermons about clothing and we might teach you that the Bible says that women ought to adorn themselves in modest apparel. Or we, you might hear sermons about all sorts of things and people will get upset and they'll say, well, he doesn't have the right to tell me how to dress or he doesn't have the right to tell me what to do or he doesn't. Have, and here's the thing, I don't, but the word of God does because God owns you. See, and it would solve this problem. You know, you wouldn't be offended, ladies, when we taught from the Bible that God expects you to dress in a modest way, that God expects you to look like a lady. You wouldn't be offended when we read verses like Deuteronomy 22.5 that says that the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so abomination unto the Lord. You wouldn't get offended when we apply that and say, hey, you make sure you look like a lady and make sure men look like men. Make sure there's a distinct difference. Make sure that one's wearing a dress a skirt, and other one's wearing uh, pants. Make sure that one has long hair, like the Bible says they ought to, and that men have short hair, like the Bible. And people say, well, when you say those things, you offend people, but it wouldn't offend you if you realize that this body belongs to God. Everything about this body belongs to God. Everything that I do belongs to God. All my time, my energy, my effort, all of it, if you would just settle that in your heart, it'd solve all sorts of problems in the Christian life. It would solve all sorts of rebellious problems in the Christian life. It would solve all sorts of Submission problems in the Christian life. Let me ask you a question. This is what I call a clarifying question. A question, I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I want you to kind of think through it and allow it to clarify your mind. And it's a simple question, and I know you, you know where I'm going, but here's the question. Who owns your life? Is it you or is it God? Who owns your life? When it comes to time management, you need to determine, and I need to determine, the ownership of our lives. Who it is that owns us. You say, what does that have to do with time management? Well, let me make my next point. Go with me to the book of Philippians. You're there in 1 Corinthians, so I need you to uh, head over past 2 Corinthians, past Galatians, past Ephesians, into the book of Philippians. Now, do me a favor. When you get to Philippians, keep your place there. We're going to leave Philippians, and we're going to come back to it multiple times during the sermon. We're going to come back to it two more times 
during this sermon, so I want you to be able to get there quickly. So put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin or something in Philippians so you're able to get back to it quickly. From 1 Corinthians, you've got 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And let me make my next point. Here's the next point. The first point was this. You must determine the ownership of your life. You must determine the ownership of your life. Is it you or is it God? Here's point number two. You must determine the objectives of your time. You must determine the objectives of your time. So what do you mean by that? Here's what the word objective means. It means something that one's efforts or actions are intended to attain or accomplish a purpose, goal, or target. The word objective, if you've got an objective, it's what you're trying to accomplish. My objectives are to accomplish X, Y, and Z. It's your goal. It's your target. It's what you're intending to accomplish. Now, here's what you need to understand. Not only do you need to determine the ownership of your life, but you need to determine the objectives of your time. Are you there in Philippians 3? Look at verse 13. Notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark. Do you see that word mark there? What he's saying there is he's saying there is somewhere I'm trying to get. There is somewhere I'm trying to be. There is a goal. There is a target. There is an objective that I'm trying to get to. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Keep your place there in Philippians. We're going to come back to it. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you will more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Psalms is generally right in the center of your Bible. The book of Proverbs is right next to the book of Psalms. So if you find Psalms, go to Proverbs 29. I know we've looked at these verses before, and in fact, we've looked at them recently, but let's just look at them again real quickly. Proverbs 29, and look at verse number 18. Proverbs 29, and verse number 18. Proverbs 29, 18. Notice what the Bible says. Where there is no vision. You see that word vision? The, the word vision there is talking about your goal, your target, your objective, what you're trying to get to, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. See, the Bible teaches this idea that we ought to have a vision for our life. We ought to have a mark we're trying to get to. There ought to be a goal. There ought to be an objective. There ought to be a target. And you have to determine the objective of your time. Here's, here's, here's the clarifying question. What is it that you are trying to accomplish with your time? Or what is it that you are trying to accomplish with your life? Now, listen to me very carefully. The question of your target, of your objective, has to be answered under the idea of your ownership. This is not, I'm not asking you to answer this question, what do you want to accomplish with your life? Because you don't belong to you if you're saved. See, the ownership of your life, and here's a statement I'd like you to write down, the ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. The ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. When it comes to our time, we need to figure out what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What is it that I'm trying to get to? What is it that I'm trying to do? But listen to me. The question is not, yes, what do I want to do, but what does God want to do through me? What does God want me to accomplish with your life? What does God want you to accomplish, listen to me, in your spiritual life? In your spiritual life, what is it that God wants you to accomplish? In your spiritual life, and, 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 answer, and don't answer that loud, but answer that question. Maybe write down the answer to that question. 
In my spiritual life, God wants me to grow. Okay, that's nice. What does that mean? Well, maybe it means I need to read the Bible cover to cover this year. Maybe it means I need to read nine chapters a day in the month of January. Maybe it means I need to be more faithful or consistent to the house of God. Maybe it means I need to become a soul winner. Maybe it means I need to begin to give of, of my finances back to the Lord. Whatever it may be, you know, maybe it means that I need to uh, get rid of a certain sin that I know that the Holy Spirit has been dealing in my heart about. Whatever it might be, you need to answer this question. When it comes to my time, when it comes to my life spiritually, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? Let me ask this question to those of you that are married. What are you trying to accomplish in your marriage? See, the problem with most marriages is that you're not trying to accomplish anything. You're just living together. But there ought to be a goal. There ought to be an end. There ought to be a mark that you're trying to accomplish with your spouse, with your wife, or with your husband. What is it that you're trying to accomplish with your children? If your goal is for them to turn 18 years old and leave the house, that's a bad goal. You ought to have a goal for your children. You ought to have a goal for your marriage. You have to have a goal for your finances. You have to have a goal for your career. You have to have a goal for your health. You have to have a goal for your spiritual. I'm just saying, you need to determine. You need to determine the objectives of your time. But that should be determined under the idea of who owns my life. See, the ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your life, of your time. What is it? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Someone said it this way. What is it that you would like people to thank you for at the end of your life? When you die, when at that funeral people are coming down and giving their last, you know, respects to you, if you could hear them, which we know, you know, you're physically, you're not there, but if you could hear what they said to you, if you could hear what they thanked you for, what is it that you're trying to accomplish with your life that you would like your wife or your husband or your children or your grandchildren or your friends or your church members to thank you for at the end of your life. So we said this, number one, determine the ownership of your life. We said this, number two, determine the objectives of your time. Why, why is that? Because the ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. Because the ownership of your life, if you're writing these statements down, I'd like you to write this statement down, because the ownership, of, the ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. Let me say number three, determine the order of your priorities. Determine the order of your priorities. If you kept your place in Philippians, can you go back to Philippians? If you kept your place there, go back to Philippians, and I want you to go backwards from Philippians into the book of Ephesians. So I ask you to keep your place in Philippians. Go, keep your place in Philippians because we're going to come back to Philippians, but go into the book of Ephesians right before Philippians. Ephesians chapter 5, this is our theme for this series, this idea of time management. Ephesians 5, look at verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. See then, see then that ye walk circumspectly. See then that ye walk circumspectly. That word circumspect means to walk or to do something cautiously or purposeful. Means to do it on purpose. Means to be very careful. Be very cautious. Now notice what he says. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Not as fools, we talked about that last week, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because, here's the because, here's the why. Why should we walk circumspectly? Because the days are evil. See, the, day, the word evil means it'll hurt you. The word evil means it'll attack you. He said the days are not, they don't, they, they don't just produce, they don't just produce accomplishments on their own. 
days by nature can be wasted. They, if you don't purpose in your heart, if you don't purpose in your life to accomplish something, your days will be wasted. He said, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Here's what I want you to understand. We need to be careful and purposeful with how we spend our times. And here's how you do it, all right? Go to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. I'm laying a little bit about foundation. This is one of these sermons where you lay the foundation, and then there's just one real practical application at the end. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 33. Here's how you walk purposefully. Here's how you walk circumspectly. Some, I, I, I heard of a preacher one time, he, and, and I thought about doing this. I, I almost made Brother Oliver do this, but I didn't. I, I didn't make him do it. But, um, you know, I, I heard of a preacher one time. He used this preaching illustration where he took a bunch of those tacks, you know, those little tacks you put on the, on the, um, on the walls to pin stuff up or whatever, uh, and, and, he, and he threw them all on the platform. But he made a little, uh, a little row through there. And then he had someone come up, a volunteer, and the volunteer took their shoes off. And then he blindfolded them. And he said, I'm going to guide you through this row of tacks. And he said, you know, take one step forward. Turn right. Take another step. Turn left. You know, whatever. And he, and he gave them those steps. And that individual that was blindfolded, you know how they were walking? Circumspectly. Very carefully. Listening to every direction that was given to them. Why? Because those tacks were evil. Because those tacks would hurt him. And that's what God says. That's what God wants. In fact, Brother Oliver, just come up here. No, I'm just kidding. We're not even But what God says is that we ought to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Why? Redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Because they'll hurt you. Because they'll waste your time. See, we need to prioritize our time. Let me give you an example of that. Matthew 6.33, probably one of the most famous verses when it comes to this idea. Matthew 6.33, notice what it says. But seek ye first. See that word first there? You know what that means? Priority. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. Let me say this. The ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. That's the first statement. I'd like you to write down a second statement. Here it is. I want you to write these down because they're not easy to remember, all right? Here's the second statement. The objectives of your time ought to determine the order of your priorities. The objective of your time ought to determine the order of your priorities. Now, how do you get your objectives? How do you get your goals? How do you get your target? How do you decide what it is that I'm trying to accomplish, you accomplish in your life? You decide that based on the ownership of your life. The ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. But once you know God owns me, therefore my objectives ought to reflect my ownership, which is God, which is what is it that God wants me to accomplish with my time, with my life, with my marriage, with my children, with my ministry. Once you've answered that question, then the next idea is this. The objectives of your time ought to be determined, uh, I'm sorry, the objectives of your time, what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and I hope I'm not making this too wordy or too confusing, but I want you to understand this, what it is that you're trying to accomplish, the objectives of your time ought to determine the order of your priority. See, here's what I need you to understand. You cannot get it all done. I can't get it all done. Every day of my life, I wake up and I write a to-do list. 
And every day of my life, I fail to finish everything on my to-do list. Because there's always more to do. There's always more to accomplish. There's always things that are grabbing at your time and pulling at your time and trying to take the priority in your life. And you say, how do I accomplish what needs to be accomplished? Here's how you do it. You prioritize your time based on the, the order of your priorities is based on the objectives of what you're trying to accomplish. Let me explain. I talk to people all the time. I talk to men all the time who say to me, they'll make statements to me like, I'd like to be a pastor one day. I'd like to be used of God to be a pastor one day. And I'll say to them, great. I need you to read the Bible this many times, cover to cover, before I ordain you. I need you to, and I'll go through a whole checklist of everything. I tell people, anyone that comes to our, 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 our preaching class, spiritual leadership class, I give them a list and I say, here's your objectives. Here's what you need to accomplish for us to be able to ordain you and send you out of the ministry. As soon as you get everything done on that list, you let me know and we'll ordain you and send you out. And then months will go by. In fact, we're going to have a class here in the next week where we're going to go through something. And months will go out. And I'll, I'll randomly ask people, I'll say, how's your Bible reading going? Reading your Bible more than most people, than, than, than the average church member? Because a pastor needs to read the Bible more than average people. How's your Bible reading going? Not, not going good? No. Uh, are you bringing people to church? Are you doing the work of an evangelist? Are you seeking to bring people to the house of God? Because a pastor needs to do that. A pastor needs to be able to bring people to church and get converts baptized and get them saved and get them in church. How's that going? Are you doing a good job with that? No. I'll ask you, would you like to preach on a Saturday morning for soul winning? No. Would you like to preach at men's preaching night? No. Would you? And here's, here's all the point I'm trying to make. The actions that you're taking aren't aligning themselves with the objectives that you're making. You're telling me one thing, but your actions aren't showing that. People will come to me as a pastor and they'll say, I want, I need help. My marriage is falling apart. My wife doesn't respect me or my husband doesn't love me or whatever it might be. And they, they, they say they need help. And they say, yeah, I want to have a good marriage. I want to have a marriage that honors the Lord. I want to have a marriage that, 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 that we're happy in, that we satisfy each other, that we bring glory to God. And then I'll ask, okay, well, what are you doing to try to establish that marriage? And I'll talk to men. And they'll say, well, I work 80 hours a week. And I'll ask them, when's the last time you had dinner with your family? I can't even remember the last time I had dinner with my family because I'm always uh, doing overtime time and I'm always doing this and what do you do when you get home do you spend time with the children do you have family well when I get home I go on the internet or or when I get home I, I go to the gym or when I get home I go, go to the golf and I'm not saying any of those things are bad but here's all I'm saying your actions aren't aligning themselves with your objectives you say you want to be a good dad you say you want to be a good husband you say you want to be a good Christian but you don't show up to church you don't read your bible you don't pray. People say to me, Pastor, I have a desire. I have a desire to be used of God, to bring people to Christ. I'd like to be used of God to see people come to Christ. And I'll say, great. Have you watched the soul winning DVD seminar? No. Have you gone to a soul winning seminar that we've offered? No. Have you gone soul winning? No. Have you attempted to memorize the verses to try to do? No. Your actions aren't aligned with your objectives. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the only way that you can accomplish the things that you need to accomplish is to determine what am I trying to accomplish and then prioritize your actions to your objectives. See, the objectives of your life ought to determine the order of your priorities. And the ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your, of your time. And you can say all day long, I want to do this. And you can say all day long, I want to do that. And you can say all day long, when I'm 
older or when I'm dead or when I'm done. I want people to thank me for this or to remember me in this way or I want to accomplish this. But you can say that all day long. But if your actions don't align themselves with your objectives, you will fail miserably. Because the order of your priorities ought to be determined by the objectives of your life. See, we'll say, we'll say, people will say to me, or people will say, in 2017, I want to get healthy. 2017, I want to lose weight. 2017, and you ask them, you know, well, are you exercising every day? No. Are you eating differently? No. You know, are you doing, and it's like, okay, well, here's the thing. You're not using your time in a way that aligns itself with the stated objectives that you want to accomplish. Here's what you need to understand. You don't have enough time to do it all, so you have to prioritize your time. You don't have enough time to do it all, so you have to prioritize your time. You need to determine what it is that I'm trying to accomplish and then make sure that those things that you say that you want to accomplish, that you spend your time on the things that will help you accomplish that, which is your objective. Can you go back to Philippians 3? Philippians 3. So just, just for review, if you're writing these statements down, the first statement was this. The ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. The ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. Here's statement number two. The objectives of your time ought to determine the order of your priorities. The objectives of your time ought to determine the order of your priorities. I want you to notice what Paul said in Philippians 3. Look at verse 13 again. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But notice what he says. I want you to notice. I, lo I love this phrase. He says, but this one thing I do. Notice he doesn't say, but these 20 things I do. Notice he doesn't say, but these 30 things I do. Notice he doesn't say, but these six things I do. He says, but this one thing I do. Now, here's how you know that Paul was a Baptist preacher, okay? Because he said, this one thing I do. But then he goes on and tells you three things that he's doing. Notice what he, notice what he says. Brethren, I caught not myself to have apprehended. That's like when I tell you we're almost done in five minutes, it'll probably be 15, okay? You know, if I tell you we're almost done in 15 minutes, you just better, you know, go ahead and have your wife wake you up when we're done, okay? Notice what he says. Brethren, I caught not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now he says this is the one thing I do, and then here's what he says. He says there's three things. Number one, forgetting those things which are behind. And number two, reaching forth into those things which are before. Number three, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now you say, well, is that a contradiction in Scripture? No. <laughs> you say, well, he said one thing. Here's what, he, here's what you need to understand. And this is what I found in my life. Generally, in any area of your life, if you're trying to accomplish one thing in that area, there are probably three major things you need to accomplish in that area. Now, I don't have any proof for that other than I've seen that in my own life. And the Apostle Paul said... I'm trying to accomplish one thing. I'm trying to take the gospel to the regions beyond. I'm trying to fight the good fight. I'm trying to bring the gospel to the world. And in that one thing, there are three things that I need to accomplish. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before, and pressing toward the mark. And here's what I have found. In my life or in your life, you can probably, you can probably bring everything down in any one given area of your life. You can bring everything down to three major statements, three major things that if you accomplish those, you will be successful. Now, you haven't done this exercise, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to do this exercise. Figure out the areas in your life 
the major areas of your life, whatever it might be, might be husband, might be father, might be mother, might be employer, might be pastor, might be staff member at church, whatever, whatever it might be, and then determine what are the three major things that if I accomplish these things in my life, if I can accomplish these things, I will succeed in that area. I've done this for my life. I actually pray through this. This is my prayer list when it comes to, to my family. I, I, I wrote these uh, statements down. Here, here's what I figured out. I figured out in my marriage, in my marriage, if I can accomplish these three things in my marriage, I'll probably be a successful husband. If I can love my wife, if I can lead my wife, and if I can be loyal to my wife. If I can love my wife, if I can lead my wife, and if I can be loyal to my wife, I'll probably end my life a successful husband. So when everything is grasping at my time, I know the three things, the three things I must accomplish in my marriage as a husband, the three things I must accomplish is I must love my wife, I must lead my wife, I must be loyal to my wife. In my uh, parenting with my children, I, I determined with my parenting there are three major things I need to accomplish in my life. And I'm just giving, I'm giving you my list. You know, don't, don't steal my list unless you feel the Lord's leading you. But this is my list. When it comes to my children, if I can disciple them in the word, if I can discipline them consistently, and if I can develop a relationship with them, I will probably end as a successful father. If I can take the time to disciple them in the word, if I can take the time to read the Bible to them and explain the Bible to them and have family Bible time with them, if I can take the time to disciple them properly in the word of God, if I can take the time to discipline them when they need it, when they're being disobedient, when they're being rebellious, if I'm not lazy about it, if I discipline them properly and scripturally like the Bible says, if I take the rod of reproof, and if I, can, if I can do that, and if I can develop a relationship with my children, which means that I'm not just their boss, and means that I'm not just their uh, Bible teacher, but it means that I'm their friend, and I'm trying to develop a relationship with them, and I want to have times where I sit down and just draw with my children, or sit down and just play with my children, or just sit down and, and take them to the park. I, this is what I determine in my life, when everything's trying to take my time, because everything's always pulling at our time, what I have determined in my life, if I can love my wife, lead my wife, and be loyal to her, I'll probably be a success as a, as a husband. And if I can disciple my children and discipline my children and develop a relationship with them, I'll probably be successful as a father in my ministry. Here's what I figured out. As a pastor, if I can reach people, teach people, and keep people, I'll probably be a successful pastor. So when I'm busy and everything's trying to take my time, here's what I focus on. I just focus, we got to reach people, that's soul winning. We got to teach people, that's preaching. We got to keep people, that's hospitality. If I can just focus on those three areas, I'll probably be okay. And that's what Paul said. He said, this one thing I do, and then he gives us three things. And here's what I'm saying. In your life, whether it's your marriage or your children or your career or your education or your health, whatever it might be, there are probably three things that if you just said, I'm going to focus on these three things, I'll be successful. Now, how do you determine that? Here's how you determine that. You start by determining the owner of your life. And you allow the ownership of your life to determine the objectives of your life. And you allow the objectives of your life to determine the order of your priorities. Because here's the thing. I'm not smart enough to get it all done in 24 hours. And I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm taking a wild guess that you probably aren't either. So we must prioritize our life. And what that means is that there are some things in our life that we say yes to. If your goal is to be a good Christian, you have to say yes to church. You have to say yes to Bible reading. If your goal is to be a good parent, you have to say yes to discipline. If your goal is to have a successful marriage, you have to say yes 
to spending time with your spouse. There are things that we say yes to, but let me, let me give you the secret. And here's really the secret to success in this is that there are things that you have to say, and here's a word that none of us like to say, no to. You know what I learned as a pastor? Here's what I learned as a pastor. If I'm going to be a good leader in any area of my life, I need to learn how to say this word, no. Many of you have heard me say that word to you. <laughs> no. No, and it's not that I'm mad at you. It's not that I'm upset with you. It's not that I don't appreciate whatever it is that you're trying to do. But we are always having people pulling at us. In ministry, I was telling Brother David last night, we were having dinner, and I was telling him, one of the things in ministry that I found has been one of the most pressures in ministry is that in, in church, whenever I enter into these buildings and with our people here, and I'm not mad at you if you do this, I'm not mad at you, and I, I get it, but I feel like people are always trying to pull me in, in whatever direction. People are always trying to get you to do something. They're always trying to get you to start something. They're always trying to get you to accomplish something. But here's the problem with that. If you say yes to everything, you will accomplish nothing. If you say yes to everything, you will accomplish some, nothing. And there are some things that are not bad. There are some things that are not evil. There are some things that are not sinful. But they don't align themselves with our goals, so we just have to say no. Let me give you an example. Go to the book of Nehemiah real quickly. Nehemiah. We're almost done in five minutes, all right? Nehemiah chapter number six. Nehemiah chapter six. If you go to the Old Testament... If you can find those one to two, those one and two books, first, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, first, second, first, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. There are things pulling at your life that are not bad, but they don't align themselves with your goals. Therefore, you have to learn to say no. See, you say yes to those things that help your goals, and you say no to those things that hurt your goals. Nehemiah chapter six. Nehemiah is one of, he's not my favorite character in the Bible, but he's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, a couple of years ago, I preached a whole series on the leadership aspect of Nehemiah, and he's a great leader. And I want to show you one, uh, one of his leadership abilities, one, one thing that he does, that he did great in the book of Nehemiah. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 6, look at verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Remember, Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And when he's doing that, the Bible says, now it came to pass... When Sanballat and Tobiah and Gishem the Arabian, these are the bad guys, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was not a breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sanballat and Gishem sent out unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in, in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. So they send them an invitation. They say, Hey, let's get together. Let, let's, let's, let's meet together in one of the villages in the plains of Ono. Look at verse 3. And I sent messengers unto them saying, now notice what he says. He says, I am doing a great work. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. He said, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it? And here's what Nehemiah was saying. God, who owns me, has given me an objective, which is to build this wall. I prioritize my time around that objective, and that's the work that I'm doing. Now, you're inviting me to do something that may not be wrong. Now, they were his enemies, and they wanted to do ill to him, but they're inviting him to come have lunch. They're inviting him to come have a cup of coffee. They're inviting him to come do uh, whatever those things might be, and there might have been nothing wrong with it. But here's what Nehemiah understood. I can't say yes to everything. I can't say yes to everything. 
So he said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. He said, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Listen to me. Some of you homeschool moms need to learn how to say this. When everything's pulling at your time, and you've got to catch up on your Facebook, and you've got to catch up on your YouTube, and you've got to catch up on the gossip, and you've got to catch up with your friend that's calling you, and you've got to catch up with the neighbor and all this. You need to learn to realize, you know what, right now, it's time for me to homeschool my children. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. You cannot say yes to everything. Because if you say yes to everything, you will accomplish nothing. And people will often come to me as a pastor, and they'll ask me to do certain things, and they're not bad things. People will come to me, and, and I'll use this as an example because I don't think it's very recent, but people will come to me and say, Pastor, we need to do an Easter drama. I mean, we could have Jesus, and we could have Pilate, and we could have Herod, and we could have Peter, and it's going to be great. We're going to have these lights, and we're going to have this, and we're going to have that, and there's going to be all this music, and it's going to be so cool. And here's the thing. Is there something necessarily wrong with that? You know, I mean, you know, portraying Jesus is... I think that's wrong, but, you know, is there something evil about that? Not necessarily, but here's the thing. Does that align itself with our goals at Verity Baptist Church? What are our goals? Reach people, teach people, keep people. And here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with that, but if I said yes to the Easter drama, if I, yes, if I said yes to the Christmas play, if I said yes to this activity and that activity and this ministry and that ministry, we would get pulled in so many different directions that sometimes you just have to say, it's not wrong what you're asking, but the answer is no. Why? Because I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. See, as a pastor, I could, I could be busy all, I mean, I could travel every week of the year if I wanted to. I could go to Guyana, I could go to Africa, I could go to every soul winning marathon, I could go to every preaching engagement, I could say yes to everything, and there's nothing wrong with that. And some people have that ministry, and that's great if that's the ministry that God has given them. But I know for me, I don't have the capacity, I don't have the ability, I'm not a ten-talent guy. I may just be trying to accomplish what I need to accomplish with the two talents that God gave me. And sometimes, sometimes a good opportunity comes, and I just have to say, no, I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. Because in your life and in my life, we need to figure out what we say yes to. And we also need to figure out what we say no to. Let me give you one, one more and, and we're done. There are also some things that you say not yet to. There are also some things that you say not yet to. There are some opportunities that people come to me with and I'll say, you know what? I would like to do that, but not yet. I would like to do that, but not yet. Not now, but not forever. I would like to do that, but not yet. See, when we first started Verity Baptist Church, we had two, two boys. And neither one of them were being homeschooled. They were at the ages that they were not of, they, 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 they were too young to be homeschooled. When we first started Verity Baptist Church, we used to do, a, my wife used to put on a monthly ladies' activity. And at these monthly ladies' activities, I mean, they would sew aprons, and they would, uh, you know, uh, do wax candles, and they would make these, you know, homemade Christmas cards with all these, like, you know, um, what's that thing called uh, where they have the books, and they have the pictures, and they cut that all up? What's that called? Scrapbooking. Where they did the scrapbooking, and some of you ladies were here for those things, and they did that every month, and that was a lot of fun. And it, there was a, it was really expensive, I'll tell you that, but it was a lot of fun, you know, for the ladies, and they had all these, and they would have coffee and they would have treats and they would have this and they would have that but you know as our family began to grow we started having another child and another child and then we, my wife needed to homeschool one of the children and then she needed to homeschool another child you know it got to the point where we had to say you know we 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 cannot do these monthly 
ladies' activities. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing bad about them. I wish we could do them every month, but we, we can't. And you know what we decided? We decided, and let me say this, okay? We're not doing them, okay? So please, you ladies, don't come to me saying, I can do it. No, all right? The answer is no. <laughs> but, here, but here's the thing. You know, what we decided was my wife will one day do monthly ladies' activity, but not now because our priority is our children. And there are some things that we have to say no to, but not forever. There are some things that we have to say not yet to. There are some things. One day when my children are grown and out of the house, I probably will travel more than I do. One day we probably will start all sorts of different ministries. One day, but there are, time, there are times when you have to determine how you engage in time based on what you're trying to accomplish with your time. So there are some things you say yes to. There are some things you say no to. And there are some things you say not yet to. Let me say this. You need to be careful to not compare yourself to others. I, I've seen ladies, I've seen men beat themselves up. Go watch some of these young kids run around, some of these young guys run around. And it's like these young guys, they're like soul winning every day. You know, and they're like, we've got some ladies that their children are older and they can go out multiple times a week. Or their children are younger or maybe they don't have children. They can go soul winning multiple times a week. But listen to me. When you got four or five kids, I mean, it's a struggle just to get out soul winning once a week. I mean, at our house, for five kids to show up to soul winning at 930 on Saturday morning, that does not happen by mistake. That requires an entire orchestration. We spend our Friday nights getting our clothes ready and getting everything situated, getting the diaper backpack, getting everything ready for Saturday morning so we can get up on Saturday morning, read the Bible, get the kids dressed, and get to soul winning. And if we had to do that three or four times a week, that would really take a huge toll in our time. And it's easy for sometimes for us to look at people that are in a different stage of life. There's nothing wrong with them. Their kids are older. Their kids are younger. They don't have children. They're not married. They don't have this responsibility or that responsibility. And sometimes you can watch those people and you can say, man, that guy gets to read his Bible so much. That guy gets to go soul winning so much. That guy gets to do all these activities. That person gets to do these hobbies. That person gets to do this thing. That person gets to do that thing. But listen to me, sometimes you just have to realize that one day I'll be able to do those things. But right now, the answer is no. Not now, but not forever. Not now, but not forever. See, you cannot get it all done. So you have to figure out what needs to get done. I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. And that doesn't mean that the person that is doing it is wrong for doing it. That might be their calling in life. That might be the skill that God gave them. That might be the talent that God gave them. But you have to decide what the objective of your life is and what it is that you're trying accomplish. So here's the three statements. Ready? I'd like you to write these down because they're not easy to remember. Number one, the ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. The ownership of your life ought to determine the objectives of your time. Number two, the objective of your time ought to determine the order of your priorities. The objective of your time ought to determine the order of your priorities. Here's number three. The order of your priorities will determine the output of your productivity. The order of your priorities will determine the output of your productivity. See, some of you have certain goals, but you're not going to get there. You know why? Because you spend too much time on Facebook. Because you spend too much time on YouTube. Because you spend too much time on the television. 
because you spend too much time doing things that don't get you any closer to the goal that you're trying to accomplish. And we've got all these things that are trying to take our time. And some of you say, I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good leader in my home. But your goals don't show that. Your work schedule shows that you're covetous. Your work schedule shows that your goal is really to, you know, be filthy rich. And you can say, you can say, no, my goal is to love my wife. But is your actions, are your actions aligning themselves to the objective? See, some of you need to just decide, I need to work less. Because I may make more money, but that's not the goal I'm trying to accomplish. Some of you need to decide, I need to drive a different vehicle. Some of you need to decide, I, I need to just live in a different neighborhood. Some of you need to decide, I, I need to just quit this hobby, or I need to just quit this uh, thing that I'm doing. And it's not that it's wrong. There, there's some of you that need to decide, you know, I just, it's, it's great. I, I love going out, you know, and, and playing basketball on Tuesday nights at the park. I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. The guys there are great. But at this point, at this season in my life, I'm not able to do that. Not now, but not forever. Maybe one day, but not today. Because your objectives ought to determine the order of your party. We are all overwhelmed. We're all overwhelmed with time. And if you're not, come talk to me, because I've got several things you can help me with. We're all overwhelmed with time. And the goal is not, how do I get it all done? The goal is this, how do I get what needs to be done? Done. Because at the end of your life, it probably won't matter how much time you spent on YouTube or reading that magazine or working in that garden. But it won't matter how many souls you brought to Christ. And it won't matter how much time you spend with your children. And it won't matter that you spend time in the house of God. So the objectives of our life ought to determine the order of our priorities because the order of our priorities will determine, it will determine the output of your productivity. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know this was not a complicated sermon. I may have made it more complicated than it needs to be. But Lord, help us to, live to be people that live with an objective in mind. Help us to manage our time in alignment with our stated goals. Help us to realize that if I've got certain things I'm trying to accomplish in my life, if I want to lead my wife and love my wife and be loyal to her, if I want to discipline my children and disciple them and develop a relationship, if I want to reach people and teach people and keep people, then there are certain things that I have to say yes to, and there are other things that I have to say no to. And there are some things that I just have to say not now to. And help us to remember that. Help us to practice that. Help us to apply that to our lives. Help us to be people that manage ourselves and our time properly. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray.